Uh, we have a special guest that was going to be joining us tonight all the way from Orange, Texas. Uh, we're going to Zoom her in, which used to mean that you got in an airplane and went Zoom, but you don't, it doesn't, doesn't mean that anymore. Um, and so Kathy Suggs is here with us tonight, and I'm just going to give a brief introduction. I'm just going to encourage you with a few things before I hand the, the camera over to her. Um, first of all, to, uh, as a way of introduction for those of you who may not know Kathy, Kathy is a prophetess who has been really connected to Light City and Victory for, oh, I'm going to say over a decade now. Um, and I can tell you for certain that Kathy carries this ministry, carries each and every one of us in her heart. Uh, there has just been a God bond with us and her, um, and just been she's been very careful to join us in all of our conferences, if not here in person, um, to be there uh, over the internet and to be fasting and praying with us and just interceding with us. She's been available to Pastor Tina and I and our family and our leadership, uh, really for anything that we would ever need her for. And so... Uh, with that in mind, I'm, I'm really going to encourage all of us to just allow the words, allow the, the message that God has given her to deliver to us as Light City folk um, and take that to heart. Uh, Pastor Tina and I were talking the other day about, you know, the, the transition between an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet. And, um, you know, it just kind of dawned on me that when we allow uh, a prophet to come into our lives and we allow that person to change our perspective that we may be sort of going through the season that we're in right now and we may have a certain perspective about that situation but when we allow God and God's prophets to come in and change the way we perceive the situation that is around us in such a way that we hang on to that perception not just grab it for a moment but really hang on to it and allow it to stay with us until such time as it changes our expectation. And then as, you, as many of you may know, you can hear what's going to come next. When we, that thing allows, uh, uh, has al been allowed to change my expectation, then it's not long before, as it, you know, as it was with the prophet, that what the prophet said comes to pass. It comes to pass with this extra hinge in the New Testament, and that is that each one of us have to make the decision to grab onto that thing that they're delivering to us. And so as she does that tonight, as she just shares with us the perspective that God has given her for each one of us, for us at Light City, for us here in Fort Erie, for Light City in Buffalo, for everybody that's involved even growing throughout the internet and through all of these online events, can I tell you, when we grab hold of it in such a way that it transforms our perspective and we allow it to change our expectation of how this is going to go with this, this present crisis, how it's going to go for us when it, we come out the other side of it, how all of these situations are going to be transformed simply by the faith and the expectation that we put towards it. Can I tell you, every one of you, as you're here tonight, don't just be here wandering around and giving half your attention. Can I get you to just focus in for the next few minutes, focus in on what Prophetess Kathy is going to share with us, and then listen to God in the midst of it to say, okay, God, what is this saying to me, and what does it mean for my life? What does it mean for me as I'm dealing with the things that I'm going through right now, and what does it mean about me when we come out of this on the other side? What expectancy do I need to be building in my heart? as we go from here. And so God bless you, uh, Prophetess Kathy, for joining us tonight. I'm just going to release this over to her. So take it away, Kathy. We're so expectant to hear what God is giving you for us. And God bless you for taking this time with us. 
I'll see you right after Kathy's done. Well, hello. Good evening to everyone. I'm so blessed and so honored to be here and be a part of everything that God is doing in your lives. Um, thank you, pastors, for allowing me to come and be a part of tonight. I am so excited. I've studied. I feel like I've showed myself to be approved, and we're going to get into the Word in a few moments. But I want to tell all of you, I love you. I've missed you so much. The only bummer about technology, which I love this, uh, I'm so glad because of it, but I don't get to see your lovely faces tonight. And for that, that makes my heart hurt, but I understand how it is. So at least you can see me while I'm talking to you. But a big, great, big Texas hug to you tonight. And just know that you're always in my heart and I always miss you and love being with you and uh, just honored to be a part of tonight. So um, I won't tarry very long. I'm, I'm going to talk for just a moment and kind of talk about where we are. But I know we're kind of don't want to go a real, real long time tonight. So I'm going to kind of hang with my notes quite a bit tonight because I'm going to do a little bit of teaching. But um, the first thing I want to say to you is I pray your winter is over and you guys have thawed out. Wow, what a brutal winter. I kind of stay uh, up to date with what's going on there. I always watch the news and kind of listen into what what's going on in your part, in your neck of the woods. Um, but tonight, you know, when you look at today's date, uh, you know, prophetic people always turn everything around and, and make it a God thing. But just looking at today's date. The May the 20th of 2020. And so here we are, May, which is the month of grace. So here we are on a day that we're walking in grace and it's all about 2020. And so we're here out of God's grace to get 2020 vision about what he wants to say to us concerning all the things that he's given in my heart to, to be able to give you tonight. So I'm so honored and so happy about it. And the other thing I want to tell you is, is I've got great news for you. And the good news is, is this whole pandemic that the world is in and the world is shaking and they're in turmoil. Aren't you glad that you're of a kingdom can, that cannot be shaken? This whole thing is really to shake the world. It's not to shake the church. Oh, my gosh. What do we have to be shaken about? We serve a God that is mighty, that can take care of everything. And just because this pandemic is going on, God's not shaken in his throne. God is holding it all together. And um, so the good part of it is, is although that is a shaking, it's not for us. There's 7.5 billion people in the world. And a lot of those do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's face it. We all came to know Jesus Christ because we were in some type of dilemma, some type of hardship. And almost always, those are the things that causes us to turn to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so God I'm not saying God did this pandemic, God did this virus, God did not do any of this. This is something that's man-made. This is something that, that's been spurred by the enemy. Um, but I want to say that God can absolutely use this time and use it for his glory. And we've already been witnessing people in the streets all over the nations of the world that are bowing and and they're bowing in prayer and they're bowing in worship. And, you, you know, it's just phenomenal watching it. Now, I'll be honest with you. I wish I would see more of that happening here in the USA, but uh, it's okay. But it's happening all over the world and I'm praising God and I'm thankful for it. And another thing that I want to tell you is, is I believe that the Lord has spoken and he basically quoted John 10, 10 to me. And John 10, 10 says this. It says, 
that I'm gonna put my glasses on because I have my uh, lights a little dim in here and that's so you can't get distracted on everything in the background and you see my face in front of you, my big head up in front of you tonight. And so I'm gonna put my glasses on where I can see because it's kind of dim. So John 10, 10 says, the thief who comes to steal, kill and to destroy. But aren't you glad that although he might be released, he cannot touch you and I because it, it follows right behind it. And it tells us that we as God's covenant people have abundant life, that it's God, it's Jesus's desire to give us abundant living and that we don't have to be accosted by a thief. But it is absolutely what I believe that we're dealing with. We're dealing with it in the USA. You're dealing with it in Canada. The parts of the nations are dealing with it. Um, I don't claim to be an economic expert, but I will tell you this. I do know that the U.S. was flourishing before this happened. And uh, we are, uh, uh, as far as economics goes, our unemployment rate was lower than it had ever been in over 50 years. Um, we had less people on food stamps than we've had in many, many years. And so we were beginning to flourish as a nation. And since this has happened, um, I took a look at you guys and saw what your unemployment went down in the month of April and yours went down. You have uh, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in April, you had 2 million people that went on unemployment. Um, and guess what? <laughs> the U.S. was hit way harder. The U.S. Had, went up to 20 million people that, um, that had to go on unemployment. And so um, I praise God that my family has been doing very well through all of this. And I pray that all of you are. But if you aren't, then we're going to watch God change and turn the tables tonight for you. Because God wants us blessed. When you see the enemy come in, the only reason you see a thief come in is because there's something to be taken. And so I believe with all of my heart that we, um, God has, has arranged for us to be able to reap some fruitfulness of things that we have sown in the past. And by the way, I want to tell you that we don't have to fear all of this. And the reason we don't have to fear it is because we, as the covenant believers of God, we've sown enough in the last season to be able to reap a harvest in this season that we're in right now. So I'm telling you, get your expectation up, get your faith up and believe God that you will receive your harvest. Amen. So in the name of Jesus, I just praise God and I thank you for our time together. Father, I thank you for the, your anointing on your word. And I just praise that I praise you that you will be here in the midst of us. Give us insight. Father, give us wisdom. Show us things that we need to know tonight. And we just give all glory and honor to you tonight. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. And so, um, so here we are, we're dealing in this season um, with all of this chaotic stuff that is going on. But one of the things that the Lord did for me in, um, it was the month of March, maybe around March the 20th, if I remember correctly, he gave me a dream. And in that dream, it was short and sweet. And he came to me in the dream and he said, tell my people to stop the arrows. And so I wake up from the dream, knowing it was of the Lord, immediately had the presence of the Lord and the anointing on me. And he began to put it together, what he was talking about. And basically, you know, you have to look in scripture and see what he's talking about, where arrows fly. And one of the places that it talks about arrows flying is in Psalms 91. And in Psalms 91, it tells us that when the arrows fly, praise God, 
that we have a hiding place in him that we can run into and be safe from all things. If you could just imagine that the heart of God has a cookie cutter shape that is a place just for you to get in there and fit in the very heart of God. That's what it's like when he says coming under the shadow of the wings of the almighty. Have you ever been in a place that you just said, God, I feel you close, but I just need you closer. And then you feel him closer. And then you're saying, again, Oh God, I just need you to come even closer than that. I found myself one time in my prayer time and I kept saying that to the Lord. You know, I kept feeling him drawing near to me and me drawing near to him. And I said, but God, it's still not enough. And I literally saw him. It was like in the spirit, he picked me up and he tucked me into his very heart. And he said, is this close enough? Because this is where I want you to live and move and have your being in me. Isn't what he said in his word that we're to be one in him and him to be one in us. If we have a place that is in our heart that only God can fill the void of that spot in our heart. Guess what? The father has one that's created just for you. And so you, we have a running place. We have a resting place. We have a place of assurance that we can rest in him and know that no arrow by day, no fire by night can touch us in the name of Jesus. Isn't that great news? And so then the other way that we stop the arrows from flying, it's not only that we hide in him and know that we have our peace and our trust in him, but it's also out of Ephesians, out of chapter six, where it's talking about the different parts of the armor. And it talks about when the fiery darts come, that we're to take on the shield of the faith. And so we're going to only talk a second about the shield of faith. Um, because that is the part that it talks about on the arrows. If you understand about in the days of the Romans, when Paul wrote Ephesians, he was very familiar with the Roman army because they had them in front of them constantly. And one of the things about um, the Romans that when they would be in a battle and a barrage of arrows would be coming at them, they would have a shield that was made out of wood and they would soak it in water. And so that when the fiery arrows would come at them, they would hold that shield up and that shield, because it was wet, was able to put out those fiery darts and it could not catch that shield on fire because of it being soaked in that water. And all that has to do with is that we're to stay in the word of God. The water of the word of God is what washes us. It's what keeps us in faith. It was keeps us connected to God and all of those things. And so in this season, we need to maintain our shield of faith and we need to maintain our relationship in God and know that we are hiding in him. That's the way we stop the arrows from coming at us and bringing fear into our hearts. Amen. And so um, another thing that the Lord spoke to me about was simply about um, that he would bring us this year into a season that um, it, we were going to come to besides still waters. And he quoted Psalms um, uh, 23 and I think it's verse two where he talks about it. And he quoted it to me and told me that he was going to bring us besides still waters, meaning that he was going to bring us into a resting pay, place. Um, the thing about the season that we were in before this pandemic came up is most of the believers that I talked to um, was all at a place of extreme burnout. They And when you get in burnout, you get in survival mode. And when you get in survival mode, you're not so much God conscious and you become self-conscious and you begin to feel sorry for yourself and 
think about how tired you are and how wore out you are. And then you start feeling um, a distance, you know, from the Lord. Um, you even begin to feel this stuck place. Um, and do you realize that when we get stuck and we get burnt out, we quit moving and we get in what's called a rut. Do you know that all a rut is, is a grave with both ends knocked out of it? That's all that a rut is. It's, it's almost like a grave. Amen. And so uh, we were at a place that we were stuck because we were so wore out and burnt out. And, you know, uh, we were kind of like Lot's family. You remember Lot, they're in Sodom and Gomorrah, and they are so embedded into the world system of their day that they don't even have any more spiritual discernment. They became like the church of Laodicea that's talked about in Revelation chapter three. They had no discernment left and they had absolutely um, uh, uh, no discernment and they absolutely had a, a thing in them that they didn't even want to change. It just They just began to get so accustomed with what was going on around them. And so the Lord has to send an angel in to absolutely go in and rescue them from the situation that they found themselves in. And so um, when the angel goes to leave them out, the instruction was just don't look back. And you have to think about it, you know, from everything that you're used to. A lot of times when you're in transition to leave an old place and you're going into a new place, it's easy to look back and look at what you've left and what you walked away from. It's just like those Israelites, you know, when Moses is leading them out, they looked back and looked at the hardship they were in because transition is hard sometimes. You know, they look back and they think, hey, we were better off, you know, having the garlic and the leeks. Let's just go back. And so they were willing to go back under that heavy oppression was the same as Lot's wife. And if you look at Lot's wife, almost in a way, of like how we are as the church, you can look and see Lot's wife could well represent the church of Revelation 3 in Laodicea, where it talks about she was lukewarm and she had no discernment. That's talked about in that scripture. She was called out to be a part of the last day church. That's what we're called out to be as a part of the last day church, but stuck in the world system. She missed her opportunity she didn't even recognize when visitation from the Lord had came upon her to visit her. She doesn't even recognize that it was a visitation from God. She wouldn't embrace the change. So therefore, she was transitionally challenged. And where she was supposed to be a part of the next system, the move of God, it's because she gets in this stuck place that she is so familiar with the old that she doesn't want the new. And she looks back at what she walked away from. And instead of being a part of a new move, she becomes a monument to the old move. How awful that would be that you and I, if God hadn't give us this place of rest, you know, to get rid of all the burnout feelings that you and I, we were, that we were feeling how sad it would be for us to miss the next move of God. And I'm here with good news to tell you tonight. God has not changed his mind when he said he saved the best days for last. God has a revival coming to us. God has the greatest awakening the world has ever known. And we will not miss out on that. We cannot miss out on that. We've labored too long and too hard to allow ourselves to miss out on what God is going to do in the next move. And so we cannot be like Lot's wife. We cannot lay down 
in a rut or get stuck. And so we needed this rest that God provided us with. And I praise him for it tonight in Jesus' name. How many of you, I, I just pray that you're getting the rest that you're needed. It's a time that God wants us to, to form deeper roots into him. Amen. So it's a season to, um, to get our trust uh, has ever been before and all those things. This is all opportunities to go higher in the Lord that we're in right now than we've ever been before as the people of God. Okay. So let's go back and let's look at John 10, 10, one more time. It says the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and might have it more abundantly. That word abundantly means so exceedingly great that it cannot even be measured. Do you realize that, that God wants us so blessed that no one can measure it? No one can measure it. It's beyond comprehension of the blessings that God wants to give us. And so we're dealing with a thief that is trying to come in and rob the fruit of the vine of what God is desiring you and I to reap in this season. So I want us to take a quick look at the Midianites and Judges 6.6, 6 because it's probably one of the best places to look and see the example of what a thief comes in to do. Um, those Old Testament stories are for you and I to glean information from, to learn from, so we can get the wisdom off of it to have a plan. Amen. And so let's take a look. All right. And so let me start reading. We're going to go to Judges chapter six and start reading in verse one and read one through six. So the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Medians. Can you imagine for seven years, every time you plowed your field and worked and labored in your field for seven years, the enemy would come in and rob it from them. I cannot imagine the devastation of dealing with that for so long. And so for seven years, the Midianites were put into, into uh, the, the Israelites were put into the hands of Median. So verse two, it says, because the power of the Median, of Median was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. They were so fearful that they went into hiding. So whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and they run the crops all the way from Gaza. And they did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkey. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was so, it, it was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravish it. Median so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. That was a key moment for them when they cried out to the Lord for help. But that word median, whenever you look it up um, in your concordance, the word median is the word strife. So this particular spirit that they were dealing with was a striving spirit. And this particular one that they were dealing with was a generational curse, a fruit robbing. And um, when you look at the first reference of where Median is talking about in, in scripture, you'll find out that Median comes from one of the sons of Abraham. So Abraham has Isaac, the promised child, but then Abraham ends up having more children. And this particular child he had through one of his concubines. And um, so how many of you would know that it would be a hard thing 
to be a part of a family that you were second rate compared to the other that was the covenant child, the handpicked one, the promised one, the one that they labored over, prayed over, believed God for so long and finally got him. You know, um, it, it stirred up strife and envy uh, in the hearts of the median, and it didn't go away. Um, it, it stayed generation after generation. And so that's why you're seeing the Medianites coming after the covenant children of God, Israel, because they're coming in to rob them. And the thing about this particular spirit that is truly so sad is, is that it didn't just come to rob them of the fruit on the vine. It come to completely destroy everything that they had worked and labored over and leave it in total runs, bring total destruction to the point that they are so disheartened that, you know, they, they don't even have the gumption to pick up and move on. You know, could you imagine for seven years, something that you worked for year after year after year was robbed from you? But the whole reason, the whole thing that opened up the door for them to um, have the fruit robbed from them and their crops devastated from them was because they sinned against God. It was because they committed idolatry. And um, they began to, over and over, God told Israel, do not intertwine with the other gods. And they would, they would start, you know, practicing their way. They start worshiping them. And so, you know, Median gets their self, uh, or excuse me, the Israelites get their self in a position that now the Medianites have full reign over them and they oppress them for seven years. The thing about seven years is seven is the number for a cycle. It's to complete a cycle. If they had not cried out to the Lord at that particular time to break that cycle, then they would have started that cycle again for another seven years before the window of opportunity came to them again so that they could go through that window and get out of that situation. And so um, once again, so the Medianites labored with it. I want you to think about it for a second on, you know, something maybe that we can relate to a little bit more this day and age. Let's think about it. How would you feel if, um, let's say you have a credit card and you have $5,000 worth of credit uh, ran up on that credit card. Okay. And you and your family made the decision that, that this entire year that you would work overtime and you would do what it would take to come up with that $5,000 to pay that debt off by the end of the year, you would decide not to take vacations and you would really work hard at getting that debt paid off. And let's say you do you get to the very last payment at the end of that year on that debt. And all of a sudden, here comes a fruit robbing spirit to take you from where you got out of the red and into the black. And now it wants to drive you right back into the red again by using maybe um, uh, your automobile to break down on you. Or it could be your air conditioner and you may not love your air conditioner like we do in Texas, but I tell you, it's hot in Texas. And I'd rather go see Jesus in a heartbeat than ever face one of our summers without an air conditioning on. I can tell you that for sure. And so that's, you know, and, and think about it. Let's say that for, for seven years, over and over, you tried to get out of that debt. And over and over, something came at you and it started the cycle over and over again. 
you know, you can imagine just in that little small thing, how you would feel, but they took every living thing that they had and ravished them of it. Amen. And so that had to have been so terrible. I mean, you know, it's times like that, that you really want to throw in the towel, but let me tell you something. There is an enemy that wants to whisper in our ear all the time to get us to quit. I always say that it's like, it's like Job's wife in our ear. And, you know, Job is another good example of being able to look and see how the thievery spirit operates to steal, kill and destroy. He was devastated. Everything was taken from him. He was left with nothing. And then he ends up having the sickness attack his body. And now he's fighting for his life. He's so sick in his body. And then he has a wife in his ear telling him, just curse God and die. In other words, what she was saying is just give up and just die. I want to tell you that that is not an option for you and I as believers. It is not an option for us to be able to throw in the towel. Let me tell you, that towel that God gave you is not yours to begin with. That's God's towel. And to throw in the towel is, is a like a boxing type term of whenever you want to surrender to the enemy, you throw in that towel guess what? No one needs to surrender anything. You need to fight like you have never fought. You, the last thing you need to do is think about quitting. Don't quit your marriage. Don't quit your church. Don't quit your spouse. Don't quit your children. Don't give up. Don't give up on your job. Fight, fight for what God has given you in this season. And by all means, don't let the, the voice of discouragement speak in your ear and tell you that you'd be better off dead or you'd be better off quitting anything because that is not of the Lord in this season. His desire is to prosper us beyond measure in Jesus name. And so we have to clear out that voice out of our minds in this season. And so one of the things that can open up a door for you and I to have a fruit robbing spirit come at us could be a generational curse. You know, it may not be in the same way that the generational curse existed in the Midianites against um, Israel, but it could be, for instance, if you had uh, an ancestor in your bloodline and they had the motivational gift or redemptive gift that's talked about in Romans chapter 12 uh, called the giver gift or the gift of giving. If they had that gift in them and they did not give out of their hearts or out of obedience to when God said to give and they began to hoard and um, get stingy and greedy and want to hang on to it and not bless other people with it. When a giver gets greedy and quits giving, then that can set up an iniquity. And if that iniquity is not repented of, it can set up um, a problem in the bloodline called a generational curse. And so simply all you have to do, if you feel like that's ever happened, is just simply ask the Lord. Uh, you just go before God and you say, you know what, Lord? I don't know what happened in my ancestors. My ancestor could have been guilty of that, but Lord, I fall out of agreement with it. I ask the blood of Jesus to come and cleanse my bloodline. So I don't have to have this happen in my life anymore of a fruit robbing spirit, nor my children, nor my children's children. I stop it today and I choose your way, God, which means to give, to give and be obedient to you when you say give. And so that is one of the things that could open up a door 
uh, for someone to come and begin to rob for you or the enemy to come and rob from you. Because you know what? We don't wrestle against people. We wrestle against uh, principalities of the dark world. Amen. And so um, James 3.16 says, for where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. And so once you open up the doorway and you allow envy and strife to come into your home or into a relationship or into your church or on your job, once you do that, then listen, it also works with other pals. And once it gets the open door to come into your home, it has open access to bring other friends with it to begin to accost you and to wreak havoc on you. Um, one of the ones that the, the co-labor that always works with a thief is the spirit of fear. And you see that it was very prevalent in the Israelites because they were up hiding um, and so let's take a look at what we can do to defeat this or, or, you know, or stop it from going any further. Amen. If we ever see signs of this coming about ourselves, what do we need to do? And basically it's just keep following the scripture. You know, I didn't read a lot because of time's sake, but I want to tell you, you need to finish reading that story because there's a lot of information and a lot of direction in that. But you'll see the first thing that you have to do to defeat this spirit is is close the door and the way you close the door is number one humbling yourself and going to God and asking forgiveness and praying and that's the first thing that the Israelites did is they humbled themselves and finally after seven years of torture finally they cry out to God and ask God to come and the Lord does come and not only does he come but he comes with an answer and he brings them a deliverer called Gideon now you can also see the spirit of fear operating in Gideon from dealing with this spirit so long you know Gideon was a very timid guy uh, whenever he comes in on the scene and the Lord begins to call him and speak to him you see that Gideon was busy trying to harvest some of the wheat for himself. And he's hiding in a wine press, beating out this wheat. And let me tell you, that's the hard way of harvesting wheat. Because one of the ways that you, you do to harvest wheat is, is you, you have to have the wind. There's no wind down in the wine press. And so he doesn't have the wind to help him, you know, cause you would throw the shaft up or the throw the wheat up and the wind would come and blow the shaft away. And, um, and then the grain would fall down to the floor. Amen. And so Gideon's doing it the hard way. And God comes to him. And the first thing he, 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 he says, who am I? I'm the least of, of uh, my tribe that I'm from is the least and the weakest. And I'm even the weakest even of the entire family that I'm a part of. And so Gideon comes up with all kinds of excuses not to do it. But God is good. God begins to encourage Gideon. And he begins to speak to him and give him the faith faith, stirring up his gift of faith in him to turn away the, the, the fear and the lies and all the things he had heard for so long. We tell you, God was so good to Gideon, you know, um, you know, so, so let me get to my second point. My second point is first, you need to pray and humble yourself and ask God for help. Number two, ask him for courage and to turn fear away. And that's what Gideon begins to do. But God is so gracious to him. You know, um, God begins to allow Gideon, you know, to ask God for 
things to turn the situation around by asking God, you know, can, can I ask you to bring me a confirmation? And that's what we call fleecing because that's what he did. He took a wool, a fleece, and he says, God, I'm going to put it on the ground. And, you know, tonight, you know, let the dew come and let it get on the fleece and let it not touch uh, and the dew, let it come and get on the fleece, but let it not touch the ground. And, you know, he, and God does it. And that's not enough because, you know, we always need another confirmation, right? When you get one, you need more. And so Gideon asked God the next night, he says, can we do it the opposite way the next time? And can we have the fleece dry and the ground wet from the dew? And God is so faithful that he does it. And not only does he do that, he does it. He goes a step ahead of things. And he even allowed Gideon to go as far as going into the enemy's camp. And while he's in the enemy's camp, he hears two of the, of the Midianites talking. And one of them is sharing a dream about what he had. And the other one is giving the interpretation. And basically the interpretation was his, oh, trouble is on our hill because we're about to be slaughtered by the Israelites. And so God was good to give him the encouragement that he needed. So if you ask God for it, expect him to give it to you. He is more than faithful and he will do it. Amen. And so, um, the next thing that Gideon runs to do is he begins to dismantle the thing that got them in trouble. I mean, the very thing that got them in trouble was they they rose up an altar to Baal. And so the first thing Gideon does once he knows that God is, is called him is he goes and he does in the middle of the night because he's not quite full of faith yet. But he goes in the middle of the night and he dismantles Baal's altar. And and then um, God has him resurrect his. Let me tell you something. God, when he takes down a fake false system, he always wants the true one and only system to be raised up in its place. Amen. And so that's what they did. Amen. So um, they find themselves, the predicament they got in was because of idolatry. And so the antidote is to go in with pure worship and turn the thing around. Amen. And so God takes down the false. He raises up the true system. And number three, ask God for supernatural strength and wisdom. You know, so many times the body of Christ falls short in asking God for wisdom, but Solomon saw it as the greatest gift of all. Out of all the things that Solomon could have asked the Lord for, he asked God for wisdom. Because let me tell you something, when you have wisdom, you will get the wealth, the wealth of the world. You will get the riches that are untold of it will come to you. And, and I tell you, it was non-stoppable. Even when he had all that you could imagine, all that he could even have hoped for, he still has kings coming from all over the world, bringing him gifts because wisdom sets that in order for you to receive the abundance of God's blessings. Amen. And so you need to ask God for wisdom. That's what Gideon did. And so God began to give Gideon a plan of how to take the Midianites out. You know. God anointed his brain. Listen, we get spooky sometimes as the people of God, and we try to, you know, look for things way out there beyond. But listen, God wants to just sanctify our common sense sometimes. And he just simply devised a plan and Gideon's own mind and put wisdom in that plan. And Gideon's able to go out and he's able to take the enemy down. Amen. And so number four, number three was asking for supernatural strength and wisdom. Number four is ask him to give you a strategy to bind and take the strong man out of the equation. 
Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. Where am I at on time? Okay, so I'm going to try to rush through this so we can get get. I'm, I'm just about done. So hang with me. So let's look at Matthew chapter 12 and verse 29. Matthew chapter 12, verse 29 is Jesus talking and he's telling about binding a strong man. He said, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man and then he can spoil the house? Other words, he's saying, if you bind the strong man, the very next thing you can do is destroy his weapons against you. So once you know the strong man and you know who you're dealing with, then you know pretty much what his weapon of choice would be. And I want to tell you, you know, most people don't realize this, but do you know that the fruit of the spirit isn't just a character that we're supposed to act like that's the character of Christ? It is. And we better. You know, if we love the Lord, we should want to be like him and walk in his character. But do you know that it is also a weapon? Those are all weapons of warfare that we're to use against the strong man when the, when the strong man's coming at us. So in other words, if the enemy is coming at us, let's just say he's coming at us in, in, with the spirit of fear and he's bringing chaos through that fear, then what we need to do is, is pull up peace the peace that surpass all understanding to quieten down all of the chaotic things that the enemy is swirling around us, you know, and that's part of the fruit of the spirit is the, the uh, weapon of peace. Amen. And so we bind uh, the strong man and then we uh, take away his weapon of choice by coming at him with the opposite spirit. If you'll remember, anytime you have an enemy on your track, if you'll come at him in the opposite spirit, that is your warfare. Amen. And, and that's the way you run him out and get him out of your business. And so let's talk a minute about um, the princes. There were two princes um, that were a part of the Midianite that once uh, Gideon leads the army and they take out the Israelites, they're pretty battle weary by now. And so they come to, uh, to Ephron and they get the people there to help them with the rest of the story. So, so Ephraim helps. And so they go and they take down these two prints. Okay. And I want us to look at the name of these two prints. Okay. You have to spoil the strong man, right? So the name of the first one is Oreb. It's O-R-E-B, Oreb. And it means raven, okay? Let me just read to you what a raven really stands for, okay? Now, this is in the, the negative sense, which is what they were. So a raven means confusion. It can be an outspoken person, usually operating under the influence of a spirit of envy or strife, hateful, crude spirit. And you know how it works? It comes to peck at your flesh. It comes to peck, 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 to gnaw at your flesh until it gets you so out of the spirit that you are 100% operating in the flesh rather than the spirit. That's what that enemy comes to do. That's what the raving type spirit comes to do. And that's how it works against us. It gnaws at our flesh to get us pulled over into the flesh. And then once it does, then the door is open to bring in the next prince, which is Zeb, is Z-E-E-B. That means wolf, 
okay? It's a predator spirit that looks for an open door. This spirit takes on the form of a wolf, a predator, okay? Um, who it goes after, a wolf, goes after those that are weak, those that are lame, or those that are young. It's why it's so important to always keep your kids under the covering of the blood of the Lord. Not because we fear any spirit, but just because any predator spirit that is out there is going to come at your young. Have you ever had the enemy come and attack your kids with a sickness? That makes me so mad. I, I would get beyond myself when he would come at my kids. You know, come at me, but don't touch my babies, you know? And, um, and so that's, thank God for the blood that we can keep our kids under it. And so anyone operating under that type of spirit would be a false prophet, an evil minister, an evil governor, someone, any person seeking their own gain. Amen would be someone that would have a predator type spirit. So let's look at the instruction real quick. And I'm on my last page, okay? So the instructions for us is that anytime you cast out a spirit, um, you need to replace that place that it, that is now void. You need to fill it with something. Like for instance, if you're cast a spirit of depression out of yourself, then you need to fill yourself with the, the oil of gladness, the spirit of joy. So if you cast his spirit out, then you need to put the positive back in to fill that place because Jesus said it in his own self. He said it in Matthew 12, uh, verses 43 to 45, that uh, he talked about kind of how it worked, that there's, you know, if you have a house, and, and you, you know, you rebuke and you send the spirit out. It goes around wondering, looking for another home. And when it's unable to find entrance into another person, it comes back to the one that it was familiar with. That's why we, we call them familiar spirits because they come back to the person they're familiar with that they've been able to, um, to land on, to like piggyback right on that person. And so they come back looking to see if they have an entrance in a home to come back to it. Amen. And so in the Bible tells us it's very serious to cast it out and leave it wide open and not fill it with the God stuff because it says that spirit can come back and bring seven more viler spirits with it than the one that had it in the first place. And so the other instruction from the Lord is, is to watch the works of the flesh in this season. Strive, stay out of that. Don't let it in your heart. You know, all of us may be tempted with it, but I'm telling you, we have to go to God and we have to let God help us lay it down at his feet. You know, sometimes your spirit can be willing, but your flesh can be weak and you can still call out to God and ask him for his help. Amen. And he can deliver you from it. So watch for the flesh, strive to stay in the spirit out of the flesh. Watch for envy and strife in your home, on your jobs or in your church. Amen. So I'm going to stop right there because I want to pray for you. Okay, let's get down and let's do some business. So if any of you are dealing with a generational curse of a Midianite spirit, I want to pray for you right now. Okay, and if you're not sure, then just say it with me anyway. So I want you to repeat with me while we pray. Amen. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you tonight to look within my bloodline. And if there be any evil found in it, God, if there be any time that I had a giver in my bloodline, any of my ancestors, God, 
And they did an injustice by being greedy and hoarding the blessings instead of giving them out freely. Then I ask you tonight to forgive me for I stand in the place of my ancestors. I humble myself before you, mighty God. And I ask you to forgive me. And now I ask you to go back into my bloodline and clean my bloodline out so that I don't have to deal with the fruit robbing spirit. My children don't have to deal with it, nor do any of their children's children have to deal with it. Father, we cut it off in the name of Jesus and we say, let the blessings flow. So Father, I pronounce over your children tonight, I say, let the blessings begin to flow. If the enemy, the thief is here to conduct thievery against us, it's because you are here to give us blessings that we could never imagine. And so, Father, I'm asking you to release your blessings to us, release it to this house, release it to every believer, release it to everyone that is online listening, or even in the future, if anyone reads it, I ask you for the anointing to break the yoke of the enemy that is trying to hold back the blessings that are from your throne at a time like this. God, I give you glory. I give you honor. And I thank you for letting me be a part of what God is doing, what you are doing, oh God, in this house. I bless them. I bless them with all of my heart and with all of my soul tonight. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. I love you and I look forward to maybe we'll do this again. I don't know. Maybe God's going to work it out where I can come on your soil. But I love you and know that I pray for you and know that I honor you tonight. God bless you, pastors. Honor you and love you. Thank you, uh, all of you. And um, it's been a pleasure tonight. God bless. Praise God. Yes. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Kathy, I'm telling you, wow, that was phenomenal. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, we're all sitting here, Lord God, just blessed. Good. I pray just that Just allowing okay. that expectancy. <laughs> Amen. Lord, we know that you are bringing forth all the fruit. Yes. Yes, Father. That the fruit robbers have stolen. Yes, Lord. And we boldly declare that this is our supernatural harvest season. Yes, Jesus. It doesn't matter what the world says. This is the opportunity for those that have been faithful as they receive their harvest in this new season. In Jesus' name. Wow, prophetess, that was amazing. I'm so blessed by that. I trust all of you that were, that were listening tonight and that were spending time with us. We just thank you so much for uh, taking the time. I trust that uh, what prophetess has been talking to us about is really stepping us out of this, this uh, river, this torrent of um, the, the system of this natural world as you know, you get into this season of prosperity and then there's a collapse and you're back into the back into problems again. And then you dig yourself out and then you're back into problems again. Dig yourself out and back into problems. I'm telling you, that season is over in your life. When you prayed that prayer with prophetess and you meant it in your heart and now build your expectancy that no matter what you might have expected yesterday or the day before to happen in your future, I'm telling you, your future has just drastically changed. All we need to do is transform our perspective. You know, the Old Testament gives us a natural picture of this tribe against that tribe. 
all that's telling us is about all of the forces of the natural and the supernatural that we're facing in our lives in, in today's world. And so we need to do battle exactly the same way as that scriptural reference that Kathy took us through. And we're able to get that kind of victory where all of a sudden you wake up one day and the, all of those problems are gone. They've evaporated in, right in front of the hand of God. And God uses our expectation. He uses our faith. He uses the words that we speak. And he causes them, Lord God, to, uh, to accelerate us forward in the great plan that he has for our lives. Thank you for joining us tonight. And bless you. We'll see you on Sunday morning. God bless you all.